Welcome back to Coaches Exploring Clarity. Today we'll be reviewing Chapter 7, Stress the Source and the Solution. And it starts off with a quote from Keith Blevins, you're always living in the feeling of your thinking. And it, and it starts off with this little Sufi joke that uh, Jamie often shares. So I'll, I'll, I'll read through it because I've, I've tried to tell this joke a few times off the cuff and I always, always screw it up. So <laughs> I'll, read it. I'll read and see how I do reading it. It's called, What Are You Looking For? The time was 2 a.m. The policeman had just walked around the corner to find an intoxicated looking man on his hands and knees, searching frantically beneath a streetlight. I'm looking for my key, the man slurred. Where did you lose it? The officer inquired. I dropped it in the long grass on a vacant lot a couple blocks a couple blocks away, said the man, still searching. Then why are you looking here? asked the puzzled cop. The man rolled his eyes and said, Because the lighting is because the light's better here. The man's mistake is the Sufi joke is so obvious as to the ridiculous as to be ridiculous, but there are times we were all the drunken seeker. And and then I underlined uh, somewhere in this chapter where it says, you can't find something where it isn't. And uh, that joke reminded me so so clearly of how often I'm looking under the street lamp blocks away from where <laughs> where I lost something. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah, God. <laughs> Every time. And again, I always come to something that's ridiculous. You know, I recently... I go and look for the. <laughs> I go and look for my phone in the fridge, or I don't know. I just open the fridge and I don't know what I'm looking for, or so I'm standing there gulping at the fridge with the fridge door open. Of course, all the energy is getting consumed, keeping the fridge cool. But never mind. But the problem is not that, and it never will be, and it never can be. The yeah. problem is what happens. Oh my goodness! It, that's it. It's Alzheimer's. It's definitely it's rampant now. It's setting in. I'm not well. I'm going to have to see a doctor. I'm going to every time every time but that's all it is because of course the rest of the time when i'm not looking in the fridge i'm certainly not thinking that mm. and therefore <laughs> alzheimer is light years away you know like, how can that be <laughs> <laughs> and it is and it's you know same thing it's so obvious be ridiculous but that again is is that we don't do this you know we don't not so much look in the place obviously it, it is ridiculous to look in the fridge for your phone but what i'm saying is we don't look in the the obvious place for the answer to our misinformed feeling mm. which is in our thinking yeah that, that's the bit i'm pointing to again it's the Somehow we seem to have this brilliant ability to override just inner wisdom, which 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 reside in the words you're always living in the feeling of your thinking. That's the wisdom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What came out under that for me is um, underneath the Sufi joke, which I too have heard many times, Greg, and haven't even tried to to share so well. I'm even forgetting through it. Um, what what I highlighted here was we don't walk around in our circumstances, we walk around in our experience. Everything in our experience is creating using thought, the reality principle. And just the the notion that we don't walk around in our circumstances, we walk around in our experience. 
brought up so many things for me uh, that outside things that annoy you thinking about other people um thinking about what what might happen after sent out a post on facebook or um and when we if we can internalize that that we're not walking around in the circumstances oftentimes circumstances that we are making up anyway because they haven't happened or they have happened in their in the past but in our experience it brings us right into now that to me is that it just brings us right into now and just to stop and look at the now um, even in the midst of our busy night, busy minds and maybe stressed outness or whatever we're going through is in itself just for me a calming thing that you know all that's just stuff and all I have is what I'm what is going on within me um, that that seems to that's not what I'm thinking when I'm when I'm calming down, but um it seems to somehow center me, I would say. Yeah, I really like that sentence too. It, it's like another way of the Jamie's pointing back at that the idea that we're living in the principle of thought taking form in the moment, but this wording of your we don't walk around in our circumstances just seemed to hit home a lot more than the other mm-hmm. wordy kind of I don't know woo-woo kind of way of, of saying of saying it I, I'd highlighted that as well yeah yeah there's something more t- to me that uh, and this is where I struggle and I've had this conversation with you guys a lot I, I somehow the tangible is helpful for me mm. and that feels tangible that that I can actually I get circumstances and I get experience and it totally makes sense to me. Um, even though sometimes it does not feel that way, it makes sense that that's the way it is. Mm. Mm. Yeah, for me, like the tangibleness of it is almost like a um, like a check and balance kind of thing. Like I can, if I'm getting caught up in my thinking or I, I'm thinking that I'm walking around in my circumstances, I could check myself on that. Like is, am I in my experience right now or am I in my circumstances? It's almost like a a form of a rumble strip to use that Mm. metaphor. Mm. Under the, uh, the source of stress, I highlighted the, the italicized part there that I'll read the true source of stress is the mistaken belief that we're feeling something other than the principle of thought taking form in the moment, that we're at the mercy of something other than our moment-to-moment perceptions, a world out there in space or time with power over how we feel, which is the much more wordier way of saying we don't walk around in our circumstances. <laughs> yeah. 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 But it's, it's you know, if if people do this, like really knew it, how different their their lives could be, and I, I mean, I see it in my myself and in my wife and my kids on it almost on a daily basis. We're all coping with stress um, because, you know, referring back to the last chapter, we all find ourselves caught up in habitual thinking uh, throughout the course of the day. Yeah, yeah, and just how Jamie just says after that, you know, thought is 
formless energy that creates the form of our moment-to-moment experience, just as sand can be used to make any kind of sand castle or sand sculpture, thought can create any kind of perceptual form, which kind of, to me, points to the fact that, well, actually, sand on its own can't, but you've got to add something. And in our case, it's some sort of additional junk in your mind, contaminated thinking, that will then go and create that form, which we then tend to believe, or the circumstance out there, if you like. So it's not, you know, it's not just the just the sand. The sand doesn't. The sand's the main thing, the main structure. We do need some water and maybe in you know a bit of cement later on, if we're going to build something more solid, or so it appears. But it's not in the solid thing that we've built. The, the 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 non-form is in the sand, if if you like. Mm-hmm. You know, and think and think how many beautiful sculptures and just nature will if you watch a if I had the, the pleasure of physically being in a you know a, a a windswept desert and how the all you've got is sand. But how the the sculpture and the form and the shape and the the marks on the sand and the way the dunes form and all the rest of it will change on a moment to moment basis, which I think is just incredible. Mm-hmm. And I, I had the pleasure of, of seeing that on a very windy day in uh, Namibia, in, uh, the red dunes, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On the top of page 84, I highlighted the first sentence, the belief that we're feeling something other than thought makes us believe we are victims. And it made me think of Elaine and I, in one of our courses we're on now, we looked at something called the victim triangle, which I think is a rescuer, victim, and persecutor. Um, But it was like, the thing that I got out of that triangle is like, prior to, to exploring that model, I thought of the victim as only being the victim part of that triangle, but really all three positions on the triangle are, are victim to the circumstance or thinking they're a victim to the circumstance. So it's, uh, it's so freeing when you realize that you're not a victim. (laughs) It's on the one hand, it it seems hard, I guess, or, or potentially hard to, to not see, you know, to not be the victim means you have to do something or take responsibility um, or I don't know. there's some element of that, that that has, at least for me, often an element of fear associated to it. Like it's easy. It's easier to be the victim <laughs> sometimes. Um, yeah. At least it, it, yeah, it, it, it appears to be. Yeah. I think it's it is indeed easy to be the victim, especially when somehow, but again, it, it's thought created the consequent responsibility or sovereignty or ownership mm. kind of terms that we use that we we need to assume look also enormous, but of course the enormity is is again in the thinking. Mm. Uh, so it's that sort of 
gentle or violent passage, you know, between who you were and who who you are, yeah. if you like. That that sometimes I can understand how how indeed learning this stuff is is a little bit maybe difficult sometimes. It's difficult to grasp. Um, but as you say, it is so freeing to move out of the the victim, whether it's perpetrator or whatever it is, out of that triangle anyway, because it it's all it's all in there. Mm-hmm. And and again, and interestingly, just as we're talking, and then I've just read the, the next bit, the reality check, where because I was beginning to think as you're speaking, yeah, but okay, so if I actually get all this stuff sorted, then I'll I'll be bored as hell. Like now what? But of course it's not that. It's the idea that that because you've taken all of that stuff away from yourself, mm. you're free to create and not only just create something, but create something that's extraordinarily exciting and motivating and you know creates passion and, and all the rest of that. So there's nothing boring in there. And moreover, it's creating not what passion or creativity or gorgeousness looks like from the outside, from the circumstance, but it's something that you have created, which which is even more powerful, Mm. because you did it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I I was just got me thinking there when... um... I can think of times in my life when I put myself in victim mode without intentionally seeing myself or putting myself there. Of course, you don't see that until afterwards. And what's what's going on there? It's always that other stuff, circumstances are not right. There's always a I can't do this because I can't be that because I can't. There's there's always a because, and it's an it's an external thing, and. Then <laughs> this is so interesting. I hadn't even picked that up when I read this. This uh, these few um, these When you see that that's not there, and you just spoke to that directly, Lane, the freedom in it that there is nothing. There's nothing holding you back. There's no. There's just. There's nothing holding you back. You're free to be and do what you choose. Yeah. Yeah. You talked about this the last time, Greg, when it, um, in, this is the top, uh, top page 84, um, where the, the contrast between, like, worries, feelings, anger, stress, rage, and then it goes on to say, strange as it may seem, it can also apply to pleasant experiences, the idea that fun, happy, enjoyable, um, loving feelings are coming from something other than thought. You were talking about that last week and you were saying, yeah, I know that, but I want to believe it's from mm. my my lovely wife and my kids and my family being around. And of course we do. Why, you know, why, why wouldn't we there? Mm. That, that's, part, that's, part, that's part of the humanness of, about it, I, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, it's funny that we're we're happy to think that all of that is from something else, but the the bad stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, the contrast. 
And, and right below that reality check part, Jamie reminds us again, we're always and only feeling the formless principle of thought taking form in the moment, period. It only works one way. Even when we believe we're feeling something other than thought, it still works only one way. It made me think like, this could almost be a drinking game in this book. Like how every time Jamie says that, you have to take a drink. Like we'd be drunk by now. And we're only five chapters in. It's only page 84. <laughs> but it just, it, just, yeah. it just occurs to me like how the, the repetitive nature of that this premise pointing to the, that's the key. That's it's so important. Like, and I think that's why he keeps banging on it every chance mm. he gets. Um, yeah. That's the key. That's the, you know, the missing link is. Yeah. And, and, and maybe we could ask Jamie that, but it kind of to me points to me as well as, as the, as I guess Jamie knows that. Mm. And also because the mind at the end of the day, or your brain, should I say, or you'll, however you look at it, we'll always go back to our, what he once coined as the term, the caterpillar soup. We always go back there. So it's like, you know, the, the bat, it's like the seesaw, the swing. So Jamie keeps putting the same weight, the same thing on one side to keep the balance sort of mm -hmm. thing. What's on the other side could be a myriad of anything. But all you need to do is put on the other side, we're always and only feeling the the formless principle of thought taking form in the moment, period. Da, da, da. And then, of course, the slide goes, you know, the, the seesaw goes back down again. So he just dots another lot of, we're always and only feeling the formless principle yeah. of thought form in the moment. And, oh, and off we go again, you know, <laughs> this, which I, I, I think, I guess, kind of Jamie knows that. But it's indeed, and it's and one of those things, you know, I sometimes say I need my little post-it or mantra. And it is great to look back to every time. And sometimes that's all it takes, just those words, that sentence. And, you go, oh. and whatever was bothering us or whatever just sort of drifts away. Mm. What else? <laughs> Yeah, nothing really like uh, related to the road rage story on page 87, <laughs> because, uh, you know, I've been known to have a little road rage in my time, the busier the city gets here. <laughs> and I guess what the what I noticed, too, with the coming out of lockdowns and stuff. As traffic has started building back up, as people started going back to work and working, you know, I, I don't think everyone's still yet in, in a five day. Five days a week at the office, but, you know, the I, when I'm out on the road and the traffic's really heavy, I'm now catching myself like literally every two minutes getting caught, catching myself caught up in road rage thinking, <laughs> like, why is this guy, like, doesn't this person know how to drive or um, what are they doing? Why are they in this lane? They don't have a signal on, like they're, they're intentionally not signaling just to piss me off. <laughs> <laughs> like, all these absurd, ridiculous ideas. Um, going through my head. Anyway, th this little story of of, uh, of how you would train somebody to have road rage, I think, was, to actually have road rage yeah, yeah. is a very powerful <laughs> yeah. example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you could pretty much apply it to anything. Mm. There are so many circumstances in the day that could totally piss us off. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, you could you could pretty much apply it to anything. Yeah. It, it, you know, this is one of those things that I think imagine if everyone could see that, because for sure, blood pressure would stay um, at a reasonable level. People wouldn't be getting, you know, stress-related diabetes, and it's so much in that. It's only one example, but if we take, you know, the road rage and other things that get people, you know, worked up and stressed and angry, and uh, yeah, just all this stuff. If we could, if even that, if that was the only one thing that we could help people see, it would, from a, a health perspective, I think it would just do so so much. So, so, so. Yeah. 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 Um, add the whatever it is is going on to your, <coughs> going on in your, your head that cause, seems to cause the, ro the road rage. I'm just thinking of examples here in Italy. It's crazy, especially when it's very hot. Mm -hmm. So, even it looks like even the weather. Can affect your road rage, and I mean, I, I I've literally seen you know people have scenes of people they get out of the car and they they actually get into a fight. <laughs> you wouldn't believe it. <laughs> Crazy, but like it's not an unusual know, occurrence here. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> oh, you know, you think, well, what if only they knew? If only they knew, you know, the, yeah. if only they knew. On page 88, under the, the solution to stress, I highlighted, Jamie referred to athletes. So of course, I had to uh, highlight this part because of uh, my tendency to like to work with athletes. But it says, athletes often report that when they're in the zone, it seems as though on the one hand, it doesn't matter whether they win or lose. On the other hand, they're going to give it all they've got. And it reminded, I was watching a World Hockey Championship game the other day. It was Canada versus the U.S. And... Canada was up 3-1 with like a minute to go in the game. And somehow the U.S. scored two goals in less than a minute to tie the game. And it went to overtime and then to a shootout. Anyway, it went, it went like nine or ten shooters before the Canada won. But when they interviewed the the lady that scored the winning goal, she said she like, I think she's the word she said was like, she almost blacked out. Like she they asked her about the goal and the, this move she put on the goalie. And she's like, I don't know. I just kind of blacked out and just did it. But it, to me, it, it just was a perfect example of in that in the zone. moment of enormous pressure, she just got into complete clarity. Like she, she was thinking so little that she doesn't even remember what happened <laughs> consciously. She just did what she had to do and got the result. Anyway, I, th I thought it was, uh, you know, terrific. And it, was, and it was cool to see as the tension in this game and the overtime and the shootout built, like they're showing pictures of the crowd and the, the game's being played in Canada. So, of course, everyone's on pins and needles. And, like, there's people, like, fanning themselves. They're having heart attacks in the stands because this game is, is so close. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's yeah. what I love. I, I love sports as a microcosm for life, right? It's, uh, you know, everything. You can see yeah. see everything that goes on in real life in a, in a sports match. Yeah, indeed. And and I, I love the tennis as well for that reason. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. You, you see, yes, it's life, and they, they take their lives into the court. And how many times I've seen, you know, my 
my heroes. So it's, you know, Roger Federer or Nadal. And Djokovic, I admire his playing. I'm not a fan of his, but no, no. Oh, and, and, and even, you know, the more, uh, oh, we've got a lovely Italian guy, Zinner now. He's mm. doing great. Um, but you can sometimes tell how the match is going to go as if you just look at the their kind of behavior on the court, mm. if you like. You know, and if if they're sort of n- nervous and jumpy, differently to what to what they are when they're when they're just playing superb tennis, you can see you can almost guess how the game's going to go. Yeah. You know, even before they start. Mm. Um. E- even with the the big players. You know. Yeah. Um, well, I think when you watch like the the big names like Federer and, and Nadal or Djokovic play each other. When you see two competitors who are both in clarity in a match, like that's when the the, the level of competition is so like so, that's the thing about sports I love too. Like somebody has to win and somebody has to lose. It doesn't always mean the loser was caught up in their thinking or whatever. It's just sometimes the, the other player was just better that day, um, yeah. or got or got a bounce or or whatever. But when you like, I love watching competition where it's not like one person just sucked and the other person beat them because the other person failed. It's like two people competing at the highest level. I don't know. I just love watching that. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember, you know, I've been curious for a long, long time because like it didn't make sense to me that actually anybody could, especially let's take the top hundred, first hundred players Mm. in the ATP or even all the women's or the W, what is it, world, whatever it is anyway. Um, WTA. And it liked, yeah, yes, thank you very much. The, <laughs> um, it just didn't make sense to me. I thought, well, like these guys, like I knew, you know, that they do the same amount of training. They have the same like tech things. They all have their coach or psychotherapist or whatever. Then they have the physiotherapist. They have everything mm-hmm. and they're doing the work and they're playing and they're in the gym and they're, they're doing everything. And they all do the same. At the end, you know, same number of hours, same number of reps, same number of of like, you know, different tech, uh, techniques for certain shots on the court, whether the mm. ball is spinning or it's not spinning or it's spinning backwards or forward. They all they all do they all do that and they all do that perfectly. So it 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 used to really you know make I was really really interested. So how can anybody actually? win a tennis match how can there ever be a final because theoretically they all should be playing at exactly the same level so the only thing in in my you know knowledge to date that can get in the way of them not playing their absolute best is thought Mm. there can't be anything other than that you think about it Oh, injury, of course. Mm. Of course. That was the only okay. other thing that I could possibly come no. up but, with there. Yeah. Even injury, though. Injury is an interesting one. Yeah. Because, yeah. because I see it where yeah. somebody gets injured. Like, you, you've seen people get injured, but fight through it, and, like, they still win the match. And then, basically, after the match, then they collapse because they're bought, you know, they're finally like, yeah. okay, now I can yeah. feel this. And other yeah. people, it's almost like they're looking for an injury to get out of the pressure cooker <laughs> um yeah yeah and 
or the other thing, and that's what, what that's when I can see, for example, at the time on Roger Federer's face. That's when I saw and that I knew he would lose that that particular match mm. because he would. But but if you could look at him and you didn't know anything about Roger Federer or anything, what you would see would still be a perfect execution from a tennis player. Mm. Absolutely perfect. You'd still see that. What If you look closer, what you see on his face, like if Roger Federer begins to just have a drop of sweat, mm. you know, there's trouble brewing because he doesn't even seem to sweat. Yeah. I don't, mm. I don't know how he does that, but he doesn't. It's effortless. And then you can see it on his face and he starts looking rather pissed off. And then you find out later that actually he's recovering from, or he's had a bit of a knee problem, or he's had a bit of a back problem. And probably what's going on is an awful lot of thinking about that, because if he's he's also at such a level where I think he himself decides whether he's going to play or not. It's not his, his physiotherapist or the doctor that tells him he knows it's okay to play. So he does. So he's deemed in top form. But, of course, the memory of the injury and all the rest of it can wreak havoc mm. in your mind. You're thinking about it. Yeah. And I see, I see that time and time again. You know. mm. Mm. Shall we wrap up with the thought experiment at the end? Yeah. Oh, I'll read it out. What would it mean to you and for you if you were to suddenly realize that 100% of your felt experience is coming from thought taking form in the moment, that 0% of your feeling coming from anywhere other than thought. There would be no road mm. <laughs> Sorry, Lynn, it would, sorry, I, I didn't hear that. There would be no road rage. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. This made me think of Jamie's uh, video where he's, he's using the teddy bear metaphor mm. which is a video it's on youtube and i've shared it i don't know many times with people um i try i i've i filmed myself doing it with my own little teddy bear um but i, I didn't do quite as good a job as jamie does explaining it but just the the idea because i love the teddy bear one because it's so relatable for people to go oh yeah zero percent is coming from the teddy bear 100 percent of it's coming from the child and then it gets flipped around and says, okay, well, what if the teddy bear is your mortgage or your relationship or your boss or your career or whatever? And then it, it looks a little more scary than when it's a teddy bear. <laughs> yeah. 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 It looks kind of serious because mm. I sort of the teddy bear, oh, well, that's not serious, you know, so, I, so you can take that stuff on board, you know, because it's not serious. Yeah. But then you Talk about my bank account. Ooh, no, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Zero percent of your feeling is coming from your bank account. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Whether you like it or not. Whether <laughs> you like it or not. Yeah. <laughs> and that even includes whether you're your, thinking about it. Like, that even includes when your bank account has a huge balance in it. Indeed. Yeah, we're back to the coin. Indeed. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. But yeah, but I do like that. 
And that actually, that's a good point. Maybe I don't know if we're going to wrap up, but to me, that is a good point because when we sometimes when we're thinking about this stuff and the thoughts, we automatically, uh, well, I don't know, I can't speak for you guys, obviously, but it appears that we we all we automatically think of the the bad things. Um, so the bank account being empty is what came up through there. Why we're laughing right now? Uh, and or you know the bank can be foolish either 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 or it's the same either or it is the same and and i think when we're thinking about zero percent of your feeling is coming from anywhere other than thought we think oh those those bad feelings that we have those angry feelings those whatever feelings um as opposed to all of them it's all of them the happy ones the sad ones the gleeful ones the the proud ones, whatever the feelings are, that's that's the place. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, and also that nature will have it that <laughs> just the way you are. You know, even when that it's the happy thought, you know, that I have a lovely husband and I have a lovely family and I have a lovely bank account and I have a lovely car and a lovely house and it's all just wonderful. But it, it seems to be that actually even at a certain point with a lot of people, we actually then start worrying about what would happen, not so much about the fact that we haven't got something, but then what's going to happen in the future if something happens. So indeed, it's useful for us to know that it works both ways mm -hmm. because we can get caught up in that in a negative sense, if you like, either way. So that's why that's why it's good to know, I think, that it works both ways. Yeah. Yeah. Even people watching this program, a hundred percent of their feelings about the program is coming from thought in the moment. Not yeah. This program. When, <laughs> nothing yeah. to do with us. <laughs> not, not at all whether they like it or not. Just get your likes out there and just see you know, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's a good note to end on. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. See you next week.